Well, this morning, we're in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, and it's the story of Zacchaeus, the uh, account of Zacchaeus that Jesus, when he interacts with him, and, and if, so if you have your Bible, uh, Luke 19, or your Bible app, whatever you have, Luke 19, I'm reading from the New American Standard, uh, but whatever translation you have, that's fine this morning, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, and I read, And he entered, that is Jesus, and he entered and was passing through Jericho. And behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax gatherer, and he was rich. Makes me mad. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) He was rich. And he was trying to see who Jesus was, and he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. I love how the Bible, throughout the Bible, you will find in certain instances, there's such great detail. I mean, short of what Zacchaeus ate that morning, you you know quite a bit about him. He's a tax collector, he's rich, and he's short. That's a lot to know, and it tells you a lot about him, and we'll discuss that in a moment briefly. But it says here, so in verse 4, he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree, in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and he received him gladly. And when they saw it, that is the crowds and especially the religious guys, the, those who are really you know, proud about their religion. He is gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. <gasps> How could he? And Zacchaeus stopped in verse 8 and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of the possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Talk about restitution. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And the point of the story, the point of this account here, is a salvational one. It is one about Jesus coming to save. And we find that very clearly in Jesus' words at the end of our text that we read. But Zacchaeus was a lost man in need of a savior. And salvation, Jesus said, had come into his house that day because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's the big picture, the main point of the story. But there are certain things that we can glean here that whether you're a Christian or not, there are principles for us that we have to learn and apply to our lives. Now, if you're not a Christian... I invite you to consider very strongly what we're going to hear in the life of Zacchaeus and the fact that Jesus took notice of him and he was saved as a result of his interaction with Jesus. And the reason that we know that is because there was change that happened in his life. There was repentance, a turning from being a man who was fraudulent and stealing and and cheating people out. And then he, he paid back. He made right and then some. But secondly, we also know that Jesus himself said, salvation has come today. Salvation has come to this house, to this man named Zacchaeus. He saved. So we know that for a fact. But 
there's something here that's very universal that I think we need to address this morning. And I hope to encourage you and challenge you. And if anything else, when we close today, that you would walk away with a greater desire to know Jesus more. To know who He is if you haven't known Him for the first time yet. Now, I remember, and I may have mentioned this, I don't know if it was in other sermons or maybe it was in other classes that we've had, but I've referenced this before, and some of you might be familiar, years ago, I'm talking 15, maybe 20, maybe 18 years ago, I can't exactly remember, but Coca-Cola, they produce Sprite and they make Sprite, they had a commercial on television, and they would show their drink with a lot of physical activity happening, athletic scenes, and at the end, these scenes would all end, and it would just, just it would fade in these words, and it would say, Image is nothing. Thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. And then a few years ago, there was a commercial with LeBron James. I won't talk about him. Anyway, LeBron James. But, but he, and in that commercial, he, it just, he's in there doing whatever, and then it ends, and it just says, obey your thirst. But the thing is that when we take that first commercial, even the second one, there's something for us to learn because it's really important for us to make application and there's a spiritual lesson for us to learn here. Again, whether you're a Christian or not, and I really believe that. And here's why. Here's why. Thirst is universal. Harry, have you ever gone and never thirsted a whole day? Never had a drink? Two, three days? No. He's shaking his head. Thirst is universal. You will get to a point where your body physically needs to drink, intake some fluid. Every single one of us, every single human being, a living organism, animals out there, they're human beings. We need to drink. Now, some of us need more or less, but thirst is universal. We all thirst. But there's a spiritual thirst as well. And that spiritual thirst started way back, the Bible tells us, in the Garden of Eden when God created Adam and Eve and they rebelled, they sinned, and there was a separation between God and them and it was because of sin. And yet God made a way. There was, there was something missing. Their relationship, their fellowship, it was broken. And God made a way for them to be restored again. And there was a satisfaction. They want, In fact, God initiated. He wanted that so bad and He's calling out to Adam. Adam, where are you? You can read that in the beginning of Genesis where he's calling out to Adam after he sinned. God wanted that so strong. And there was something in Adam and he was empty and void and dry and parched, if you will, in the context of our our message today. But he was drying up inside. God wanted to restore that. All persons experience thirst spiritual and physical. And in the spiritual sense, we see it all around us. There is a desire to satisfy that and it's done in all kinds of ways, all kinds of means and methods and of things and thinking that they bring into their lives. And yet, none of this truly leads to a person being totally satisfied or if I could even be more specific, gaining eternal life, something that lasts forever. So if we're going to learn from Zacchaeus, there's three simple things we got to learn. And the first one is, is that first line in that commercial I mentioned from years ago, is that image is nothing. I'm not talking here about Jesus being the image of God. I'm talking about image here being the popular conception that people have of you. And that an and image being that thing that you want to put on so that people have a perception of you as being something, even if you're not, maybe you really are. 
but that there is this image that's out there of you. I'm wealthy, I'm well put together. I'm a world traveler, I do a lot. I'm a daredevil, and I display it on Facebook every other day. I'm a jerk, and I, fa- I display it on Facebook every other day. <laughs> Whatever the image is, but, but your, 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 your people have an impression of you, and your reputation comes with that image a lot of times. And we try to, some people would try to change or, or, or twist reputation by the image they put out there. Image is nothing regarding your thirst. If all you're worried about was, and, you're, and, and, and you look good on the outside, and people think you're all that, but inside you're all drying up, and you're parched, you're dead. And you need a drink. And you're suffering, and you're dissatisfied, and you're lonely, and you're, you're frustrated, and you're hopeless, and you're in despair. Image is nothing. Forget the image. But does that going to help your thirst at all? You will never satisfy your spiritual thirst if you're not a Christian without going to Jesus and without not worrying about your image. In fact, I'll even talk to Christians because we have learned who Jesus is and sometimes we still worry about image and we allow the image to get in our way and so we never satisfy our thirst and tap into the well that is Jesus who lives inside of us by his spirit. Image is nothing. Have you ever been in a situation where you're doing yard work if you do yard work, some of you avoid that, and I understand. But if, you, if you're doing yard work, and it's hot, and it's muggy like it's been, and you cut the lawn for an hour or so, and, you're, and you don't even want to get to the house. Instead of running into the house and getting water out of the fridge, you just go to the hose. No, you won't do it? Yeah, some of you won't do it. Listen, if you're desperate, then you haven't been desperate. If you're that thirsty, if you're that desperate... My point is you will get to the point if you're that desperate, you will just go to that hose. It's right there and you will take a drink. You'll do whatever you have to, right? Your image is nothing. You don't care if neighbors are looking at you like, that guy's crazy. He's dumping water on his head and he's drinking it. And you, you want to satisfy that thirst. Image is nothing. And the truth is that Zacchaeus had a couple things going against him and it had to do with his image. The first thing was was that Zacchaeus' status worked against him. It didn't exempt him from having a thirst deep within him, but it was a problem for him because he was a tax collector and he was rich. Tax collectors were known to be thieves. They were not liked, especially in this context, by the Jewish people who were under the thumb of the Romans. The tax collectors worked for Rome. They always padded their pockets and they were disliked severely on being nice. His status, his status as a tax collector and being rich was working against him. He was not liked. So when he went out in public, people recognized him. They ignored him. They brushed him off. In fact, if you read some of the accounts, he was sort of an outcast in a certain sense. He was living large, but he didn't have a lot of friends. Which just exacerbates the spiritual condition without God and makes it even more if it even makes sense, even more dry, more cracking going on in our soul. We're so dry. His status didn't exempt him from thirst, but it worked against him too. Not only that, his stature worked against him. Remember I read earlier, the Bible said he was short. Now, I don't know how short he was, but he was short because the Bible says so. So he was so short that when Jesus was coming by and people are gathering around, he couldn't couldn't see through the three, four, five, six, seven thick crowds of people. And he was short enough that he couldn't even see over teenagers, maybe. 
couldn't get a hold of Jesus with his eyes. Couldn't see who Jesus was physically with his eyes. And you know what? As a man, as short as he was, in a crowd he couldn't see, you know what? Regardless of his status and his stature, no, regardless of that, Zacchaeus realized something, that Jesus was coming, and the crowds were there. They were lining up. He's coming, and he had a desire to see him. Now, Biblically, and the Bible teaches, and I believe, that God puts that desire in us. That we want to know who Jesus is. And there are those moments, and I know I experienced it, a lot of you have experienced it, who are born-again believers, spirit-filled, that there was a moment when the Holy Spirit was coming by in your life, and God knew it. And there was something, something was going on, and it caught your attention, and there was a desire. Now, here's what I think happened. Here's what I think. Proverbs 25, 25. Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. Can I paraphrase? Like that parts the key. It's like, God, oh, I'm so desperate. I'm lonely. I have all the stuff I ever wanted physically. I have no friends. I'm despised. I'm in with Rome, but I'm hated. And, you know, I'm a short guy, and I can't even see find out who this guy is. But he heard all about it. The word got to his ears from distant crowds or other people, from a distant person, if you will. Somewhere down the line, he heard, and it was cool water, refreshing water to his soul just to hear. And he said, I gotta meet this guy. There's something there. It's good news. He's healing. He's telling people the truth and lives are being transformed. And he teaches with authority and power. And what he says is wisdom from God. I got to find out who this guy is because I'm desperate. I don't care about my image. I am thirsty. And I know, secondly, that thirst is everything right now. I need to drink in my soul, not physically, but in my soul. You know, the idea that he couldn't see over the crowds, there's lots of things in our lives that stop us from seeing Jesus, whether you're a Christian or not. Whether you've drank from the well by faith of Jesus, if you will, or not. And you know those things, you know what it comes down to? It's pride. But a lot of times it's even more, it's other things too. It could be other people, it could be the social culture, it could be peer pressure, it could be family saying, Oh, you want to pray? You want to. God, nah, forget it. Jesus, nah, you don't need him. He's just a myth. Now, the Bible's not true. You have to read that. And yet, it's life-giving and satisfying. And these are obstacles and things you have to work through. And sometimes, we can't see through or above because our pride shortens us spiritually. In fact, biblically, it keeps us dead spiritually. And we can't see Jesus. But we hear something. And we're saved when we hear the gospel, the Bible, the New Testament, you see, when the word goes out, something has happened. The word saves us. It causes faith to rise up. God sends it out. God gives that faith there. And all of a sudden, something's happening in Zacchaeus. And he says, I am thirsty. I don't care about my image. My status and my stature are working against me. But my thirst is everything right now. And I will do whatever I have to to get a drink. He wanted to see Jesus, verse 3 says. But he couldn't. So he does something. He runs ahead of the crowd. See, that thirst he had demanded that there was some kind of means, something he could do to be satisfied, something he had to do to see who this Jesus was and satisfy that inner longing that he had. So he runs ahead of the crowd. Now, I don't know what got into him, but I believe it was God. But he's running ahead of the crowd and he's getting, and he's, 
he's thirsty for that view of Jesus. He would have given, listen, he would have given up because of his status and his stature. However, thirst was everything for him. He put that all aside. He believed that he had a chance to see Jesus and his need was greater than the odds that were stacked against him with his status. Right? With, he, he, he just, he looked over that and he went for it. It reminds me of other stories in the Bible. They're similar, they're different, but they're similar. With this desire, this faith that was inside of people. And they did things that were extraordinary because thirst, their desire to be satisfied, to be healed, to, be, to have forgiveness and belonging and to be connected to God was so great. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood in the Gospels? She had a medical problem for a long time. And because of her condition, she was kind of left on the fringes of society. And there's a point in time, the Bible says and records, that she just thought to her mind when Jesus was there walking through, and there's all kinds of people, if I just touch his robe, I'll be healed. If I just touch. And what does she do? Now, I don't know exactly, but I could see her crawling through and clawing through and crawling on the ground maybe, I don't know, but getting through the crowd and just getting there and getting a hold. And then what happens? Everything changes in that moment. Life is different. Her faith made her well, and Jesus acknowledges her, just like he will Zacchaeus in a moment here. I'm getting ahead a little bit. But he does something, she does something extraordinary, because thirst was everything. She was desperate. She knew it. She had nowhere to go. She exhausted all her resources, and there was no one to go to but Jesus. Want to hear another example? Right before this, in your Bible, the previous chapter, right before this, at the end of 18, there's, this, there's the account of blind Bartimaeus. And blind Bartimaeus, he's blind, and, he, and he's, he knows Jesus is coming by. He had heard that. And what does he do? He cries out and says, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible records right before this that everybody around him, which are obstacles, by the way, because he's supposed to be quiet. He's supposed to be on the sidelines, on the fringe, they said, be quiet, leave him alone. They told him to be quiet. And then it, the Bible says, he cried even louder. And they told him to be quiet again. And the third time, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't care about his image. It didn't matter anyway at that point for him, right where he was. And his thirst was so strong, his desire. He cried out to God regardless of what people thought. He needed to have Jesus do something. And Zacchaeus runs ahead of the crowd. And he goes and he starts climbing up. And the, that's, that's the thing. It's not just that image is nothing and thirst is everything. But he realized that he has to obey it all the way. That thirst. That inner longing. That thing that's drawing him. Which was God and ultimately. But he's being drawn. He had to obey and go all out. He starts climbing the sycamore tree. Now I don't know but Zacchaeus was rich. So maybe he's got his expensive suit on and he's got his silk robes and he starts climbing up and the threads of silk are starting to pull and catch on the bark of that tree. Did he think about that? Did he even care? No. That was the furthest thing from his mind. He just wanted to get up there and have a chance to just see who this Jesus was. He's hearing the crowds around him and he can't make out what Jesus is teaching and what he's doing as he's walking through the crowds. But he just wants to see and have a chance to interact with Jesus, even if it's just visual. 
He rose above his circumstances. What are the circumstances? Can I make an application here and maybe overextend a little, but there's an application here. What's your sycamore tree? Where is your sycamore tree? Do you have a prayer closet? Do you spend time there? Do you decline when you know that something's going on in your heart of hearts and you're desperate spiritually, you're thirsty, you're hungry, and you know you've got to be satisfied by Jesus? Do you decline a night of hanging out with a bunch of friends and blowing time and having fun, or will you seek God? Is that your sycamore tree? Because sometimes it is. Will you do it? Will you actually take the time? When's the last time you read the Bible? Not just, I, I, I appreciate the term, but devotionally. And you just read your five minutes in the morning. Doesn't mean you didn't read the Bible. I get it. But I mean, really read it. Not just here, read it and take it and let it soak in and satisfy and fill those cracking places where you're dry in your life. Time is an obstacle. Family can be an obstacle. I'm I'm being serious. This is real life, right? These are very practical things that become the crowds, if you will, those things that stop us from reviewing. And if we allow them, and they will stop us from getting connection with Jesus, we've got to go ahead of that and climb the tree, get into our quiet place, make the time, sacrifice, do something, forget the image. Know that thirst is everything and obey it until you get a hold of God, until He gets a hold of of you and sees you and gets and talks to you. You know, Jesus, after he obeys, after Zacchaeus obeys his thirst, something happens. He's in the tree and Jesus is walking and all of a sudden he stops. He stops. He stops for the woman that reached and touched his garment. He stopped for Bartimaeus who cried out to him. And he stops for Zacchaeus who climbs into this tree and says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I want to be in your house today. And I could, just, I could just imagine, if I could make a connection to our song set this morning, I could just imagine Zacchaeus saying, I want to know you, Lord, like I know a friend. That's what it's about. That's the point he got to. I don't want to box you in anymore. I don't even know who you are, but the box is wide open. You can be whatever you want. It's as big as you want, but I just come into my house. I want to go there with you, and I want to know you like a friend. I want to be in that relationship with you. And Jesus even says so, as I mentioned earlier, today salvation has come into this house. He's got the same faith of Abraham. He's a brother. He's a son of Abraham. His faith is so great. He followed his thirst. He made connection. He wanted to see me. And I acknowledge that and I see him. And he's satisfied today. How about you? You must obey the demand of that thirst in your soul. Zacchaeus needed a meaningful friend. He needed friendship with God. And there's an invitation this morning as we come to a close for people like this. Maybe for you this morning. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all of you who are weary and you're heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Jesus does not deny anyone who comes to him in true, sincere faith when he draws you. And all that is needed is faith to believe that he can and will satisfy your need. And you go to him without worrying about your image, knowing that your thirst, your desire is everything for your soul, and you obey it and you go to him. 
Maybe you're feeling that draw from the Holy Spirit this morning. And you know that you've got to do something. You're tired. You're weary. You're thirsty. And you feel like you're just dried up inside. Image is nothing. Thirst is everything. Obey it and go to Jesus. Regardless of your thirst this morning and where you are, whether you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, and whether you've gone to Him ever at all to drink from the well for your soul that He offers of living water, or maybe you have, but you've allowed obstacles to get in the way and you haven't had a good drink for a long time. Obey your thirst. Learn from Zacchaeus that that thing... And take to heart what Jesus said and how he called out in John chapter 7, verse 37. And I close with this invitation. If anyone is thirsty, Jesus said, let him come to me and drink. Drink. Why do you have to keep being thirsty? You don't. Drink. Come to him by faith. Receive eternal life by confessing that He is Lord and Savior, the only one that can forgive you of your sins and let Him fill you with His Spirit. It's living water for your soul. Maybe you are a Christian and this morning you are just dry and you're struggling and, and, and we all do. And maybe you've neglected that pursuit to satisfy your thirst spiritually through real meaningful pursuit, not just devotional reading and you fly through it, but you're reading, you're taking it, you're praying, you're calling out to God. You're in fellowship that, that you're drinking together with others from the well that never runs dry. Go and drink. And after you drink, bring someone else to the well named Jesus so that they can drink as well. And they won't be thirsty again. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for allowing us to have some insight into the life of Zacchaeus and the interaction that you had with him with your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for taking notice of Zacchaeus who disregarded his image, that, that popular conception of who he was, as negative as it was. Thank you that he laid that down, that he understood that his thirst was, he was at a breaking point. It was everything he needed his thirst satisfied. Lord, help us to be that way too and then obey that thirst by running to you, the only one, the fountain of living water. Lord, I pray that you would flood our souls today as we draw near to you and you fill us with that living water. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.